Welcome to Ripcord's Codscast. And now, on with the show. So today, this is one of the original CODs members. This is one of the original three members of the band. You may know him as Von Bach. I certainly knew him that way for a few years. But uh, nowadays, he's just John Beeler or Johnny B. Hello. What is happening? It's been a long time. It has, man. We've actually uh, mentioned your name a few times already. Because you wrote a lot of the uh, early stuff on Indoor Recess and Pop Culture Massacre. I don't know if people are familiar with that, but that's this is the man right here. I am, uh, I am one of the men. Well, in those days, you were, I would say, the man. Yeah, singular. Well, if I can toot my own horn, it was me and you who started the, uh, the first few songs. It was just me and you writing... Uh, what was originally called I Hate You. That's right. Uh, and that followed up by uh, a ska song about a guy losing his girlfriend to Taco Bell called Something Horny. <laughs> you know, you'll hear this later, but we, uh, Jeremy Redfern, your your boy there, oh, yeah. um, we, we were listening to that. And uh, I don't know if you, it's a shame. I wish I could have had you on there too, because you remember the horn solos? Oh God, I remember. Yeah. I remember saying, guys, this is your time to shine. We're recording in a couple of days, so just really write your solos, get them down. We were in the studio, and every take it was completely different than the last. <laughs> That's what we were talking about. I said we kept telling them over and over again, make sure you have something written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get in the studio; it was very obvious they didn't even work on this at all. Oh. And so now we're now it's fifty dollars an hour. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we went through all that. So I'm not gonna. Not going to get too much into Toilet Duck again, but you were um, Duck Savage in Toilet Duck. Uh, yes, the uh, uh, grass skirt and all. The, the, the grass skirt and what, the wife beater? Oh, yeah, it was a good look. You know, it was the 90s. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. So yeah, you were, I mean, wow. You were like, yeah, I, yeah, I hate you. You wrote that, which I, I mentioned became Sea Monkey Kill. Yeah. Yep. And we had what, like three different versions of that song. Oh, that went at least. through so many different changes. It became slower, it became heavier. Uh, but the core, the core riff of that song stayed the same from <laughs> way back when, all the way until it got released out on Indoor Recess. Well, before we, do you remember? I, I think I don't know if it was Toilet Duck or what it was called at the time. But do you remember that guy I knew? I worked with him at KB Toys, Rod. Oh my God! You remember that guy? That guy was yeah, nuts. <laughs> well, he was a bass player. Remember when he couldn't like keep in time? And we—he was a really nice guy. He was crazy. He was like oh really. Oh my God! I co- totally forgot about that guy. Yeah, dude, we... dude, dude, it was dude, not dude, a dude, difficult riff. Dude. I mean, yeah, the bass line is do 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 do. I mean, it can't get any simpler. I remember he was do do. Do 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 do. Oh my god! If you can't do that, man, like this can't work. Oh my god! Yeah. You remember that guy though? Yeah. That that brings back some memories, man. Oh, it's just I tried being so polite to the guy, going, "No, man, you you got. You just just really emphasize the do do instead of the do do do." Oh, I think we even tried like the clapping, you know, like the. We we had a few guys like that, but. We we had our uh, we had our lineup changes for sure. Well, we had the um, you know the the best of the bunch, I guess. That this um, sometimes I guess we just had to settle with who was available, I suppose. Yeah, we went from uh, crappy high school drummers to druggy drummers to no drummers <laughs> to, to friends programming for us. Oh, we talked about that. Joe programmed the drums for Toilet Duck when we lost Dave. The AOL chat room. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I don't know because I don't want to offend anybody, but I do remember specifically uh, your comments about uh, Nine Inch Nails and Madonna. Yeah, it was and, first and, you wanted to be Kurt Cobain, then Trent Reznor. What's next, Madonna? I believe was the the question I asked him. Oh Lord! Oh, those are the days, man. Well, he's JS now, anyway, so. 
Okay, I'm gonna leave it at that. But um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, so so yeah, toilet talk, and then uh, I kind of went through this with with Jeremy, but you know, obviously we stopped because he he left with the uh, with the other horn players, and so just for the audience, what happened was we had this ska band, and as I mentioned, the drummer left. We started programming drums. No intention of becoming like an industrial band or anything like that at that point. We were just, I think, right, John, we wanted to get another drummer at some point. Yeah, I mean, that we only went to um, programming the drums out of necessity. It was like a last minute thing. And uh, we always just for the keep, recording, right? Yeah, Basically. exactly. It was legit. Dave quit the band or, or whatever it was, uh, maybe a week before we went into the studio so then we got someone else programmed drums in a in a pinch and uh it kind of just worked yeah like we said it had the kind of that like filter nine inch nails like uh sporadic timing which was interesting it's certainly different than what dave was doing but you know (laughs) in hindsight it was pretty cool but so anyway then the horn players left yeah then it was down to the bare bare bones just me you and dan and uh right it's funny that, you know, Dan, I think of when you think of CODs, you think of Dan as being the main writer just in the, you know, for the entire catalog and everything. But like in those early days, I mean, I think most of that stuff was coming from you. Yeah, it was that. There was uh, Acid Sunrise. Oh, that's a great song. And and we are going to listen to these songs um, and make some comments on, on another episode. So we're going to we're going to briefly mention these songs, but we will give people a chance to hear these, too. So you know what we're talking about. But yeah, that Acid Sunrise was a great song. Yeah, that was originally a Toilet Duck song with horns. That was that never duck, really yeah. took yeah. off. And uh, yeah, that's when we started really experimenting not only with the uh, the drum machines and drum programming, but um, that was around the time where I think we probably invested in that first, uh, first sequencer, maybe? I think for a little while we were still planning on recreating what we were doing in toilet duck now with, you know, with programming. Yeah. And then I, right. And then we found all these like cool sounds and everything. We're like, Oh, we don't need the the shitty horns anymore. We can make better sounds here. And then somehow I think we were like starting to, we, we always liked like nine inch nails and stuff like that. But then we started getting more into like ham FDM and, you know, a little bit more like, you know, real industrial stuff. And um, I think we just kind of, naturally went that way with it you know yeah monkey brains was our first attempt i believe at doing uh, a song with just us learning the programming and drums and it was it wasn't a, it was a decent song but you could definitely tell it was a freshman attempt because we did not know how to make anything dynamic at that point yet well well you keep saying we let's let's <laughs> let's be honest though let's let's tell people the truth about that we meant us in Dan's basement in that little teeny room. Remember that that horrible room where it's like, oh, it was like it was a like, closet. It was a closet. Me yeah. and you making comments behind Dan's back while he's doing all the work. Oh, he was doing all the work, and you know we were just. Uh, <laughs> what were those two guys from the Muppets? <laughs> the two old guys. Yeah, the two assholes in the balcony. Yeah, yeah. That was totally me and you. Yeah, so we were there, what, for, I guess, what, emotional support? What What would you say we were uh, doing? That, um, creative director. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. No, but we, we uh, you know, honestly, we did, you know, give him ideas and stuff, but he was the workhorse. He was the one that, um, I don't know if it was that he naturally just was good at this stuff or if we were just too lazy to learn it. I, I can honestly say I tried to learn it, and it just – I couldn't wrap it around my head. Maybe I could have tried harder, but same here. Dan was so good at it. You know, I didn't really think I needed to. Now I wish I had so we could go on without him. But it, same exact way, <laughs> man. I, I have my computer downstairs and it's all set up. I tried to write a song and realized how much of a crutch Dan was because if you had an idea and you could express it, you just had to really explain it to the guy, but he could eventually get it down to music yeah well that's the you never know man i mean there's you know and that's the thing i think back in those days it was particularly complex you know but now there's so many different programs you know that it's so simplified that we could probably do it so that's that's where uh cods basically came from was the death of toilet duck and uh us just kind of trying to compensate with uh with the you know electronics 
for the lack of, of band members. And then we ended up kind of just liking what we were doing more. So that leads us to our first album, Indoor Recess. Recording that album is among my most wonderful memories of life. It was a very good time. It was a completely different experience compared to the previous recording experiences we've had because <laughs> that was an actual recording studio where prior we would record with a uh, with blinken well you know i i mentioned that in the toilet talk episode of ed blinken but i actually think his name was uh then we what do we call him abraham blinken Something like i mean his real name was ed i was calling him ed blinken but then afterwards it was like no i think we actually called him abraham blinken and uh and i thought of too remember i don't know if you were there when he did the you remember when he went on that that well, first of all, he's always getting pissed off at the computer. Remember, goddamn, goddamn computer! computer. <laughs> remember, oh remember the fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, I he forgot about not. that. And then dog in the sub, yeah, yeah, dog in the sub. Oh, the guy didn't give two shits. Yeah. Remember, the guy was like half asleep in there, chain smoking his marbreds. He had his dog in there. <laughs> oh, so yeah, this. So anyway, so we. We got to the point now, every memory of CODs I have, I, I've told people this and I, and I don't know if it's, it might not be true at the first album. It might be though. I think indoor recess, weren't we on the verge of like breaking up? Like we were going to call it quits. And remember I wanted to put the, the, our music out. That's, that's, that's how I remember is we were writing songs and I think back then we were even remember when we rented out that rehearsal space in Rockville. It was like the size of a Oh, yes. And that's where we wrote a lot of the songs there in a dance house. And we were like, screw it. We're going to call it quits. We're not going to do music anymore. Let's just, and it was your last hurrah. We'll do this one album and then just, you know, get day jobs or whatever. And uh, we were really focused and started writing, taking old songs, reworking them, writing new songs. And hung out in Dan's parents' basement for an ungodly amount of time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, though. That's how every single album after that would go, too. Uh, that, this was, th- th- I mean, the writing was on the wall with this band. It was doomed since day one. It was like, you know something's wrong when every time you go in the studio, it's like, you know what? Fuck you. Fine. We're at least putting out these goddamn songs. <laughs> then you can kiss my ass. And by the end of it, hey, this came out pretty good. You want to try playing some shows again? I mean, that was literally how pop culture went. That's... Uh, Pop culture may have been the only one that we were somewhat put together, but I remember even that thinking that we probably weren't going to do any more after that. Um, Operation Satan for sure was like that. I mean, you were gone at that point. And then, I mean, every, I did, it was like horrible. Every time, like I remember indoor recess, it was the three of us, but we were like, you know, we were really, everybody was really into it. And then pop culture came along and, I don't think everybody was all in the studio at the same time, but you know, there was people there with me. And then by the time operation Satan came, it was seriously me and Matt Nodland. And then, <laughs> and then TPCM two judgment day, the last songs, it was just me. That's insane. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is getting sad, you know, but <laughs> so anyway, so we, yeah, that's basically how indoor recess started that we, we were going to call it quits. And I didn't want to feel like everything we did was a waste. So I wanted to at least have something, physical to take away from the experience because we had done it for years you know and yeah. we went through a lot of stuff um and like i said we'll talk about that we'll talk more about that in between stage when we listen to these songs because there was a period between the ska toilet duck and the circus of dead squirrels that everybody knows and loves um when we were developing there's a lot of songs in there i don't know if you remember all those i mean a lot of songs that didn't end up on indoor recess yeah there's a there's a lot that got worked that almost made it to indoor that came back and almost made it to pop culture uh, mm-hmm. some that just never saw the light of day yeah i still so pick we'll, up my we'll, guitar we'll and play about... danzig every once in a while by the way and oh, dude edge of the ocean oh edge of the edge of the ocean i do have and i can play but danzig that's a bummer i don't i don't have any recordings of that and what the fuck i still play that song too i have what the fuck well i don't have any like vocals on it but um i will play that too that was a I fought for that. I lobbied for that song that for song, years. That song almost that? made indoor, and then it got scrapped the last minute, and it almost made um, pop culture and got scrapped at the last minute, too. Oh, dude. You know what? I just remember. Do you remember Toilet? God, Toilet Duck. There's a lot of stuff I'm just remembering now. Do you remember after the, the Sky Guys left? Remember JD and <laughs> Michelle Rocco? 
Do you remember that? And we had that little soft little melody. Yeah. And I will be the only one. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What was some rock and roll bullshit right there? I don't know what we were going for, but... That song should have been called Danzig from the way uh, Diddy would say. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, getting back. So, here here we are in Indoor Recess, uh, about to record the album. And I think, as John had mentioned, we had worked with some pretty shitty um, engineers. And at the time, there was this band called Collapse Under Reason. You remember them, John, right? Yeah. Was it was uh, Ian and... Scott. Scott yes well there's some other at that point they were like a metal band they had a full band I don't remember the other guys but um we were actually called right before the recording we were called the baby Jesus abortion yeah and Tony Tony was in the band we, 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 oh god Tony oh my god man there's so much stuff to talk about you remember that practice space that was haunted that was that was a scary fucking place I mean that's probably you know we were baby Jesus abortion. I don't know if it was just, we were asking for it, but yeah, we recorded, we practiced at a space that was, I, I don't know if it was on like a, a native American burial ground or something, right? Something weird like that. It was, I, I think it was like an old, uh, like an old factory. And the, the rumor was there was a children workers that uh, didn't make it out of the factory alive kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you just a quick story about that. And I'm sorry, I know we're kind of going all over the place. The point of this being is that when I mentioned Baby Jesus Abortion, my, I have a lot of memories of finalizing all the songs over there. Well, like you said, when we got the sequencer and everything. And this is before we actually went into the studio. And I know we were called that at, right before we started recording. And we were doing a lot of the work at that practice space now, because you had mentioned the other small room we had in Rockville. We moved, I don't know at what point Tony became our bass player and he had this place. So we started going over there, and I mean, I actually saw, I, and we did do acid, mm-hmm. but we weren't doing it at this time anymore. I saw a fucking demon in that place. I remember did, did it, you. You, you remember we used to go back after a, after a certain while. Yeah, dude, we had um, we had some speakers set up, and and we lost power or something, and it was like pitch. It was just me and Dan at the time, and we lost power. And he was trying to get him back on. So it was pitch black. And he was asking me to do something on the other side of the room or something. So I'm in the one corner. He's on the other corner. And I saw these two eyes looking at me. And I thought it was him. And it was in the other corner, though. He wasn't in. So I could turn around. I'm like, wait. I thought Dan was still over there. He was walking over there. I'm like, holy shit. I'm not making it up. And that, I mean, I got chills through my whole body. And I've never seen anything else like that since or before that. So I'm not. That kind of guy that you know makes this shit up all the time. It was not a not a friendly place. No, and that wasn't like a friendly ghost. That wasn't like a Casper ghost. That was some like demonic shit, Amityville horror shit. <laughs> so anyway, getting way off here. So anyway, so we with Collapse and the Reason was a, a local band too, and they they we had heard their CD and it sounded great. It, it was the most professional. Like I couldn't believe they were a local band. Right. We, I thought, you know, I didn't think they were a local band until I think we looked at the, um, you know, the credits on the album and we saw that they recorded, you know, in Massachusetts. So that's when we found Mark. Yep. Slaughterhouse at the time uh, his studio was called. We talked to him on the phone and he asked the name of our band and he's the one that remember he told us to not call it that. Yeah, he was. I think he was even he was recording or he was with another band. And I remember him being on the phone. And he was like, hold on, guys. These these guys are gonna uh, record an album with me, and the name of the band get this, Baby Jesus Abortion. What do you guys think? And everybody in the background saying, "No commercial suicide, don't do it." Yep. And uh, that's when we went back yeah. to the drawing board. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how to feel about that at the time, but you know, um, I think we were so like, I don't know. I felt like I almost felt like he wasn't going to say yes to record us. I thought the recording sounded so good that I I didn't think we could just like call this guy and like do an album with them. Right. I didn't realize that was just as easy as just paying them, you know, the hourly, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So I think when he said that I was kind of taken aback, like if, if someone else had said that to me, I probably would have been like, Oh, fuck you. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, it wasn't really, we weren't like a death metal band or something. I think it was supposed to be like a little bit of like a little bit of humor in there. I think. Right. Yeah, I think at I mean, least. Well, when we were recording or when we were writing into a recess, we still were trying to figure out, what we were 
because at that point we weren't even Circus of Dead Squirrels yet, and half our songs were super serious. And we'd be true, huh? writing other songs, and you'd be like, um, this song kind of sounds like these effects we're using sound like a video game. So it just naturally turned into a song about Mario. So we were still trying to just figure out who we were as a band at that point. You know, you're right. We, I think we were pretty, um, we were kind of like, I, I, cause like rubber ducky fucker was an, was an early song, but then like uh bendable Jesus at the time, that wasn't called bendable. That was called uh, Lord of the maggots. You remember that? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it was very vulgar. It was like, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We're going to actually listen to that. So I don't know what we were trying to do. I don't think we really had a grip. You're right. I don't think we kind of knew. And I don't even think we, we really had that going during indoor recess yet. I think there was moments of it. I think we really mastered that in pop culture. Yeah. I, I definitely think we finally, we found our groove with indoor and kind of uh, really refined it going into pop culture. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and uh, so I think, yeah, you're right. We went back to the drawing board and I think at first we were called, um, cause we were called after toilet duck, we were, we were dead duck flush. And then I think, I, I don't know if there was another name, but I know, you know, eventually we ended up the baby Jesus abortion thing. And then I think we went to circle of dead squirrels. Wasn't there also um, squirrel bait at one point? That, yeah, well, that's funny. We would have been Squirrel Bait. I loved that name, but then we found out there was some 80s band oh, called that. Right. So, And then we went to the Circle of Dead Squirrels, and then we found out there was the Circle of Dead Children. And then, yeah, so it just kind of progressed into the circus, which makes sense. I think that was Mark. That was Mark again. Remember, was... he's like, what about circus? Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you would think, you know, because we have, like, some circus sound effects and stuff. But that's, I don't know if that's why Mark said it, but, um, you know, it just really clicked and it worked yeah. um, because it, you know, it's, it's appropriate for the music. So again, I mean, Mark, he's, he went on to do a lot of stuff for the band. I mean, he really, like you said, he refined our sound through the years. I mean, he, he wasn't a band member, but I, I really kind of, even though he was a hired guy, I really always considered him part of the band. Yeah. And, uh, ever since, you know, even the beginnings, he had a lot to, uh, to contribute to it. So, yeah, I just remember when we were in the studio, um, I was working third shift at a hotel. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember I would get, I would just go, um, I would have to leave, go to work. And then I would go right back to the studio and I was not sleeping. So I remember just like passing out on the couch, you know, just randomly. Yeah. That was, that was a rough time, man. You would be working like a dog and then drive an hour, hour and a half, whatever it was up to mass record, pulling double shifts basically. It was just a great memory, and you know, I, I don't know if there's anything particular you want to mention about that. I mean, I, I don't know how much there is to talk about. I mean, we just—it was exciting. We were we were young, and it was our first, you know, real studio recording. I don't know if there's anything particularly interesting to mention to the audience. It was just a good time, right? Absolutely, I can remember uh, two two vivid memories of uh, going up and working on the album. First time meeting, going up to meet Mark first time we saw the studio there was a jeep parked out front and we were all freaked out because we saw a bunch of bullet holes in it <laughs> and then we we're a bunch of 19 year old morons realizing there were stickers but it took us about 20 minutes <laughs> that's right wait was, was that the day he never showed up he didn't show up and we're like fuck this guy what the hell man oh dude that we were so disappointed because we talked to him on the phone and everything we we're all excited we drive all the way up there and he never showed remember and he was he so he, he felt so bad i don't know what the hell happened but uh there was that and then uh well the studio didn't have a bathroom so if anyone oh. had to go to the bathroom we had to go to the stop and shop <laughs> but um i remember after finishing the album and driving up to uh just outside of Boston, I think. For no, hold on, don't go there yet. Don't go. There oh, yet. you know exactly yeah, what I was yes. going to say. That that's. Uh, I'm actually trying to blow through this because I want to talk more about that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I just want to tell people um, it was probably you know indoor recess. I think was one of our more um, scary albums. I, I, I think I think people thought like even me do when I listen back to that. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Like it was we were fucked up. Yeah, yeah. there's some. I can remember some some samples that we wanted to put in that were really questionable at times or some lyrics choices that you may have made or 
you didn't make because you thought maybe they were crossing the line a little too much? Well, that's, you know, again, that was Mark. And I will just, I, you know, there's a few things like that, but I will just tell um, it's just a quick story um, about two of the songs. 8-Bit Piece of Shit, you probably remember this. Mm-hmm. The original lyrics were, I should have, I say I should have never put those fucking stickers on it in the controller or that part. Yep. And the original one was, I should have never put those gay stickers on it. Remember that? That's right. I do remember that. And me and Jeremy in the Twilight Talk episode talked a little bit about this. At the, you know, the time period, and we were stupid, you know, and that was a different time where people used to say gay and retarded like it was just nothing, you know. It was a part of, unfortunately, it was part of everybody's normal day vocabulary. Right. We didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, we're stupid, ignorant kids. And it was Mark that I remember him stopping me and say, are the stickers, like, are they actually, like, homosexuals? Are they, are they <laughs> literally, like, gay stickers? I'm like, no. He's like, then why are you saying it? And, I, and again, I was kind of like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, nobody had ever said anything to me like that. And and he was right, you know, and I thought, yeah, you're right. That's that is a stupid thing to say. And he goes, yeah. well, what about fucking stickers? <laughs> you know, I'm like, OK, <laughs> but, you know, and I'm so I'm honestly, dude, I'm really so grateful for him because that would be horrible to have that. Just it, there's some lyrics in Indoresis that I'm kind of like, eh, but I think there was a lot of like like satire and parody and humor in it. So I'm OK with it. But something like that is just completely ignorant. And I didn't mean that at all. And I would have yeah. felt really shitty about that today having that be on there so i'm really you know happy that he he stepped in he was very respectful about it and then on bendable jesus too there was um you never actually sang it i remember you telling i I can't remember exactly the lyrics but i do remember you telling to me you're like i was thinking about saying this or this and i remember the the version you first told me i'm like dude that's (laughs) That's a bit. That's too far. Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I there was a part where I said something about cum dripping out of his ass or something. You remember that? I <laughs> that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was supposed to do. It was supposed to be over the top. And I was huge into Guar and everything. You know, I loved that about them. Guar did a lot of shit like that too. Where it was just like very like, comp- like over the top, like vulgar like to the point of ridiculousness though and that's what i was going for in that and it just wasn't translating so another thing i took back there were some things on rubber ducky fucker that we had to take back and we're going to talk we're going to mention our manager dave in a little bit but before (laughs) i forget this do you remember he knew a guy that thought i was like a a child molester or something yeah yeah he's like he's like oh i don't i don't listen to those guys they're they're pedophiles or something like that yeah he was supposed to do a video for a piece of shit that's right and he wouldn't work with us because he thought uh, yeah, we were pedophiles. And it's like, I remember we were so pissed because Mark got it too. It's like, dude, if you fucking take Rubber Ducky Fucker, a song called Rubber Ducky Fucker, seriously, you're the idiot. Plus, the line in the song, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, is um, you fucked the ducky and saved the teeny tiny girl. Yeah, and that's another thing that Mark um, modified. Because I was pretty much saying that, but the, I think the, the wording was a little bit unclear. And that's when he said, hey, make this very clear. Yeah. I, I, he understood. He goes, I understand the humor. Because Rubber Ducky Fucker, everybody, is supposed to be a parody of death metal. You know, like Cannibal Corpse and, and DSI. And they, they used to have these like ridiculous, you know, graphic, obscene songs. So it was like, that's what I was going for. But it was like, obviously so silly about this this maniac that just wants to stick his dick in rubber duckies i mean let's you know what i mean like but it was it was supposed to be so i mean come on what was that uh, i take a fucking shit no cut off your fucking tits i take a fucking shit i, I fill, fill them, them up, up with, with it, it. yeah i mean and sold them back, them back on that's that's great <laughs> and if you are offended by that you're the idiot not me oh god it still makes me laugh yeah, but it's, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's a joke. So that that always pissed me off that that guy thought we were that way for, seriously. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, we, so I, I don't want to talk too much about the studio, but we had a great time. Um, we, we loved Mark. And like I said, it was I, honestly some of the best memories of this whole experience was, you know, just because I, I guess recording an album and everything, just that, that first experience. But so then, as you mentioned, we had it. <laughs> <laughs> this is where there's some more significant stories. We had it mastered in Blo- outside of Boston by uh, Jeff. I don't remember Jeff at Peerless. Peerless, that's right. Yep. And uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of take the floor here. 
Well, we're we're driving up now. I I'm pretty sure this is <laughs> indoor when we're driving up. Um, I think me and you went out for drinks and whatnot <laughs> the night before, so we wake up extra early. We're hungover, um, drinking a million coffees, smoking a million cigarettes on the way up there. Well, we had we were drinking the night before, and we had I think like Domino's or some shitty pizza too. Yeah. So it was a perfect storm of that paired with a long ride to mass. I think we get about five to 10 minutes away from the place where suddenly punch to the gut. I need to find a bathroom or I'm going to shit my pants in this car. Oh, I'm driving by the way too. I remember your ass just in the air, dude, like you couldn't even sit oh, yeah, down. I, couldn't sit. I was, I was just hovering. I get off the highway. I pull into the. You're laughing your ass off next to me, and I'm punching you, saying, "Shut the fuck up!" You keep laughing. I'm gonna shit my pants. Then we're all gonna be fucked. <laughs> and guys, hold on, people. This is not like, oh my god, I'm gonna, I gotta take a shit. This was you squeezing your butt cheeks, oh like god. about to shit your pants. And it was, it was probably like ten degrees outside because I remember it was winter time, and I'm sweating bullets. I. <laughs> I f- find a, a shopping plaza. I pull into the one, the first spot I see, which is handicapped parking spot. <laughs> I run into the pizza place and the guys are like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, I don't care. I don't want any of your pizza. I will give you a $10 bill if I can use your bathroom. <laughs> they let me. And they let me keep my $10. But didn't they give you, wait, didn't they give you kind of a hard time by it? Cause they, they didn't have it for the public. Yeah. It wasn't for the public. They're like, no, no, sorry. It's not for the public. I'm like, I I don't care. I will give you ten dollars. I'll order anything you want. Just <laughs> let me take a shit. But they let me. Uh, they let me use the bathroom. I didn't shit my pants, and they didn't charge me ten dollars. So, oh, they didn't. No, so that was nice of them. Oh, dude, I I honestly, God, like just thinking about that, I have never. That's seriously some of the hardest laughing I've ever done in my life. Because, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, everybody's probably like, oh, big deal. I've never seen it. You were like. I literally thought you were going to shit all over your car. Like, you oh, were dying, I, dude. I thought I was going to shit my pants. And, oh, my God. You were so mad. I mean, you were, I remember you sweating. You were like red. And you couldn't, you, if you sat down, I think you thought you were like squeezing your cheeks. Like, if you relaxed for one second, you were going to let go. I, that was freaking hilarious. And this went on for a while because I think we had to find something. We had to find, to yeah. It was like, we got off the exit and it's not like <laughs> there was anything right there. And, <laughs> and I grew up hearing you laugh, and you would—you always had this ability to egg me on and like get me to do stupid, <laughs> dumb shit. Yeah. If I could hear you like crack up. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this is good. I'm going to see if I can make him laugh even more, and I'll just make a jackass out of myself. This is not one of those times. No, you didn't <laughs> want to hear it. You were getting really pissed off. And let just you mentioned. John was the kind of guy, oh, my God, there's so many things. But how about the guy, just, just to give you a rough idea of what he was like, we were, uh, we were driving around. Um, this, one, this was way before that. We were young. And uh, <laughs> I remember you were trying to take, like, a, a left, left somewhere. And we, the guy on the bicycle. <laughs> we're, we, yeah, we just left, like, Taco Bell or something. I'm trying to take a left. Finally, the traffic cleared, and this dickhead, you know, Basically, just walking his bike, and he's got the full spandex, nut, <laughs> nut huggers on, you know, bright yellow helmet, shirt, shorts, everything. Yeah, matched. but he had the headphones on too. Remember, he had, he had the, the yeah. He had the headphones on, and I'm like, look at this piece of shit. Look at this douchebag. <laughs> nice outfit. And he just turns and looks at me and says, "I can fucking hear you, you asshole." <laughs> oh, oh, and then of course there was the. Uh... Was it Taco Bell or McDonald's or something? No, it was the Burger King. Oh, God. Oh. Lady with the teeth? Yeah. <laughs> Give me that brief. Uh, again, I, anything I could do to get Matt to crack up. So we go to Burger King because we would eat fast food constantly. And they always had this one lady that worked there that never had her teeth in. <laughs> so Matt's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, oh, I'm, I got you. Don't worry. So I give her the money. I say, thanks a lot. And I just 
you know, bite the air, showing my teeth to her as much as possible. I peel out. <laughs> you start cracking up. I'm like, dude, it wasn't really that funny. Yeah, it's a little too much. I'm like crying. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you know, I, I've, I've done better. Come on. He's like, no, no, you forgot the food. <laughs> so I put the car in park and I walked back to the drive through while someone else was getting their food. I stand in front of them, go, um, hi, hi, ma'am. Um, I forgot my food. And the, uh, toothless lady just just handed me the bags and uh oh dude and that's on. the thing we were i mean that's how bad things were you remember us um get like literally gathering like nickels and pennies and shit to get cigarettes or gas remember that oh yeah we, we, we would go all right what cds do i not listen to anymore so i can buy a pack <laughs> of cigarettes yeah, we used to go to that Record Express. They'd buy CDs from us. For like I can't bucks. tell you, dude, how many. Yeah, they give you like a dollar. It's like whatever. Yeah, if I can, if I can give you three of these, I can fucking. We used to get like the U.S. USA Gold. So oh that's, yeah, Any, that's all we could sale. get. <laughs> but you know, I can't tell you how many albums, dude. Like a fucking moron. I have. I have sold and then bought again, like about three <laughs> times back and forth, <laughs> spending about thirty dollars for a CD at the end of it. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so that that was our way to the mastering studio, and then you you want to tell the story? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, so the guy's name was Pete, Jeff, or Jeff? Okay, so he Jeff, didn't give a fuck about us. I I, I can guarantee you he'll never hear this. So. Jeff was a strange egg, but uh, you know he did good work. I guess yeah, yeah, he's a talented man for sure. Yeah, um, he took a real liking to Dan. Oh wait, wait, hold on, ho ho. We're getting fucked up, by the way. This was Pop Culture Massacre. Oh, he was Pop Culture. Yeah, that's okay, but I just want to make this clear. The, the guy who mastered Indoor Recess was the symphony guy. Remember, he was oh, there and right. do the symphony the whole time was playing. He was cool, too. Matt something. I don't remember. M-Works. Oh, okay. But there, that, there was nothing really particularly interesting about this story. But anyway, this is when we did uh, master Pop Culture. It doesn't really matter, but I just want to make that clear. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, well, he took a... You know, he, he liked us, and... He, you know, did a did a couple different versions of mastering, and but he took a real liking to Dan, and uh, <laughs> uh, he's like, hey, you know, if uh, in between listening to songs or whatever, he would show Dan some literature, and there was a nice hardcover, hardbound covered book uh, that uh, he really wanted Dan to flip through, and it was just. Just a lot of dick pics, man. <laughs> there was just so many pictures of dicks. <laughs> and it was just really uncomfortable. And you ended up watching Spinal Tap in the other room. Oh, that's right. But, dude, remember, not only was he showing them pictures of dicks, but remember he was, like, laying on the back of the couch or something? Yeah, I want to say he even, like, was, like, you know, putting his arm around Dan, like, showing him, like, his favorite pictures in the book or something I don't, it was a long oh, time ago but it was weird man that got really fucking bizarre man yeah really really strange so yeah so that was uh that that was our experience with that um and we like i said we did skip ahead a little bit but that's okay um <laughs> but yeah you you almost shit in your pants that was that was a hell of a memory man that's that's top 10 moment for me i know pe- people might not they might be thinking a big fucking deal you had to be there i've never seen anybody have to shit this bad in my life i i, I literally never saw it again yeah and hopefully i never have to relive that one again that was rough that was what that was i think that was a combo of uh more specifically Coors light dominoes dunkin donuts and cheap cigarettes yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the perfect shit storm right there <laughs> All right, so let's let's uh, talk a little bit about um, Pop Culture Massacre. That album was—I'm not trying to use you know again, like you said, I don't want to toot my own horn, but that was our fucking masterpiece. I am so because that's a straight up—that's a concept album. Mm-hmm. Like it flows so well from one song to another. We added those PSAs in between the tracks. We had a theory on how it should look, how it should sound, and I, I'm very proud of that album. It was the it was the peak of the band for sure. Um, I think just just as far as us figuring out what we do, I, I think we really mastered it at that point. Um, and then we were we were ahead of our time with the Bill Cosby shit. You know, I was I always think back to that. I'm like, oh my god, because there was you know we always tried to do different. You know, obviously always pop culture references and. We had the Codsby kids, mm-hmm. 
And uh, lo and behold, I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, didn't age well. Not so much. <laughs> not, not really a good reference to uh, be associated with. We didn't know at the time. And he, we actually, we had him with the, uh, the little, um, the pudding pops and everything. We were, we were making kind of jokes about the whole, you know, perverted yeah. aspect of it. We had no idea what he was really doing. But anyway, um, so yeah, you're a big moment on that. Now, um, let me just actually mention just because, you know, I want people to realize who you were here in the band. John was our guitarist, but uh, an indoor recess, um, if I remember correctly, you wrote Sea Monkey Kill, Heaven Can't Help Us, Force Feed. Um, mm, those, were your, those were your those, like solo out. You, you, you yeah. contributed to the other ones too, but those were like your full songs. And then Pop Culture Massacre, he did the, the best work he's ever done, I think, is Overpopulation Annihilation. Oh, thank you. I, uh, That's a, I'm very proud of that song. Um, you did uh, Elmo's Last Laugh. Yep. And then I wrote the solo on uh, Nobody Quite Like Me. Nobody Quite Like Me. So those are your songs. Um, and, and like I said, you contributed to the rest and you played guitar on all of them. But those are your big uh, songs there. Hell's Kitchen, you you were Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was my really bad Christopher Walken. Oh, I, I think it's great. Like, you want like, you want to maybe revisit that? <laughs> My impression, it's bad. It's, it's not good. I'm setting a rainbow of color. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you remember? Were you there? I, I know you did. But were you actually there when we recorded that, the vocals, with Adam Sloan from Colton? No. Oh, my God. I, you know what I was thinking about the other day? Is uh, when we used to, uh, before we put that album out, we played a lot of shows, and Coulter was one of them. And... We brought them down to the Webster, and we opened up for. Oh yeah, I think it was Kitty, uh, or Taproot, maybe. <laughs> but it was in, we had the underground packed. There was not any room. The whole room was totally into it because we would normally play shows with Culture and Mass, where we would have like three fans, yeah. and we always felt like pieces of shit because oh, you know, we didn't we didn't bring anybody. So here. These guys from Coulter, who were you know friends of ours, got to see us do our thing with a, a good crowd. We put on an amazing show. They, we brought them up on stage. He sang uh, "Bendable Jesus" with you, I think. And then he got really hammered, and <laughs> he, uh, he ended up sleeping at my mom's house and <laughs> hitting on every single buddy's everybody's girlfriend. Oh, that's right, dude. Yeah, yeah, I, I do was, remember that really awkward but yes he was he was on the album with us too yeah he he couldn't handle his booze no yeah so we got him to uh do vocals on hell's kitchen and we had ian um who was there uh writing a a dissertation or something and he was sitting in on the studio recording and so he we got him involved again that was we had a blast uh recording that album uh, really that it's, hell's kitchen was one of those tracks just you know couldn't get through without laughing and uh you know it was kind of cringing though i will say uh we we had uh if we ever had anything close to a hit it would obviously be a bit piece of shit you know <laughs> and i remember if you remember we were trying to like relive that like we did that like really fucking desperate pathetic thing that bands do it's like we need to come out with another song like that <laughs> so, let's do sesame street now that's exactly what our mindset was too which is really sad but you know hey if it works right well you know what i, I think that's how it's but elmo's last laugh is very different than ape a piece of shit yes they They're are completely different i don't think it worked as well i don't think people like it as much but it was it was an interesting song you know <laughs> but that's that's why we did that and then i think i even went like it's like oh people like when we did the nintendo thing let's do mcdonald's let's do sesame street let's do let's do every goddamn food mascot character there ever was you know it's like we went like too much with it but i think we actually found ourselves in doing that yeah and one, well let's not forget too you know uh, we were the video game band so when uh Oh Jesus! That's we great. had Price Fighter, yeah, uh, and which was, you, I don't think anybody fucking knows because you can't hear any of the samples. No, but it was it always made me laugh at that. Uh, I remember telling you this when we would record that many, so many bands out there use samples, but mm-hmm. uh, I remember telling you that you're the only singer I know who responds to the samples <laughs> in the song. 
you know. Well, that's dude. That's what's bad about it, though, because yes, I do that, and maybe it worked later or something. But in that one, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, "Up your ass, motherfucker, come on!" You're like, "Okay," but they don't know that it's like because before that was the Hadouken. Street Fighter, the Ryu thing, but yeah, I don't think people can really hear that. So just randomly, I'm like, "Up your ass, motherfucker, come on!" (laughs) Okay. So all right, this guy's really angry about me. Okay. Yeah, I don't think people can really hear that. It's kind of a bummer. There's Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, um, Yoga Fire, Yoga Fire. um, Get over here. We well, if you, I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, pop culture almost didn't get mastered because the. First guy to hear it said, "I'm not mastering. This is a lawsuit waiting to happen." Oh, that's right. Oh, we had, we met with a lawyer and everything. Yeah, we had um, shit, man. Daniel Stern is on that album. Oh God, everybody did. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know that we really, we really thought that one was going to take off. We really did. We were ready for the lawsuits, and I remember Mark put the Mark did that. He put the Paris Hilton thing at the end. Yep. But, well, I'm like, you can suck my big fat American dick at the end of uh, Utopia Burning, and that's hot. Yep. Because he bring... thought that was really going to piss her off because yeah, at the time she was trying to like you know, trademark that shit. And of course, no one in the world ever gave a fuck about it. <laughs> Not one person. Just heard crickets after that. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was Pop Culture Massacre. And, uh, and John. That was your last outing with Cods. That was, yeah. Uh, guys, we put out the album. Uh, we kept playing shows, and then just uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't swing going on long distance shows at that time, and we had to part ways. It was a very sad moment. It was sad, but it was uh, that was many years. I mean, the band kind of, you know, forever changed at that point. Anyway, we went on for a few more years, but, you know, it was it was never quite the same. And then um, a couple of things I wanted to ask you. We played a lot of shows together uh, during the indoor recess and pop culture days. Do you remember the one you had mentioned how we would play in Massachusetts and we would bring we wouldn't bring anybody. And immediately I heard that in my head. You know what I'm talking about. You want to tell everybody about our friend? Oh, Bill Dumbass or <laughs> Dumas? Yeah, yeah. He's this big. He looked like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're. You know what he looks like? Well, I'm sure you do. The comic book guy from Simpsons. Yeah, he basically he was that, but a metalhead version. And uh, he would yell at us and he says, "You, could, I'm not putting you guys on later. You guys don't bring nobody. You don't even." You bring you don't even put up flyers, so, which in turn <laughs> turn into you don't even bring no Twinkies. <laughs> you guys don't bring nobody. Oh God! Every Those... time it was like fucking clockwork with this asshole. He hated. It. I don't know why he kept looking us every time. You guys don't bring nobody. Oh, we, in, in his defense, we didn't bring anybody. <laughs> we didn't. We thought. I don't know. We thought we were the shit. We, we just we, thought we're here. We want you know. It's like, well, dude, nobody's here to see you though. It's like, here's your two free drink tickets for you and the <laughs> the two guys in the band who have girlfriends. Uh, thanks a lot, dude. We used to drive all the what was it, like an hour drive or whatever it was, a couple hours maybe, and like literally no one gave a fuck. No, yeah, that was uh that was uh, we had fun. Uh, we had fun, yeah. The audience didn't. Do you remember people just because we had the keyboards and shit and the backup the, tracks? We're at like hardcore shows. Oh, because they were, yeah. It was either hardcore kids or it was like straight up like black metal kids. And then here's these guys coming in. You know what we used to call it? Cod's karaoke because we didn't have a drummer at the time. Oh God! And remember, if depending on who was mixing, I mean, you wouldn't even hear the drums, so it just sounded like, oh, dude. It was really bad. Yeah, we, we were never accepted in sh- most shows because it, we were either too heavy for the industrial crowd or we mm-hmm. were too wacky for the metal crowd or too, you know, too electronic for the metal crowd. So it was hard for us to find a home. That's very true. And I don't know. Um, you know, it wasn't. It's a, it's a shame, man, because I think I told Dan this, too. If you guys had stuck around it was a whole different experience for me when, and like the resurrection of CODs when, when I hooked up with the Ventana guys and we did, you know, a couple little small tours with them. Like when we got out of that area, dude, we got out to like Ohio and everything was just night and day. Really? You know, I, like, I remember going to see 
sea cods when you were on tour with um, Psycho Stick. Yeah. In Hartford, and it was the first time actually able to see the band instead of being on the stage, and I was blown away because, you know, prior to that, we never had a real persona on stage. No. It was just everyone had the same Dickies shirt with cods on the back. Well, hold on, that's a that's a that's a great way to lead into something else I want to talk to you about. Let's just briefly talk about our manager, as I said before, Dave. Uh, Oh okay. yes, <laughs> I think you're the appropriate person to uh, speak of that whole experience. Okay, dude. All right, man. Okay, okay. bro. Okay, bro. Dude, dude man, bro. Dude, man, bro. He, he left you a voicemail, right? Oh yeah, he he, he would. Okay, dude. I'll, 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 all right, bro. I'll talk to you later, man. Okay, dude. All right, take care, bro. Right. <laughs> dude, I am telling you, dude, it's not good, dude. Oh. Everything. That nothing was. There. This guy loved us apparently. Loved us. Believe. Thought we were gonna blow up, but. Everything was, dude. It's not good, dude. Trust me. Our look, our sound, it's not everything. Good. It's just, you don't want to know, dude. You would ask. So how do we do? How do we look, dude? You don't want me to tell you, dude. You don't. And it's like, wow, what a fucking punch in the gut. You get off the stage, you think you put on a good show, and this guy, dude, don't even get me started about your look, dude. You guys don't look good, dude. Well, let's put this in perspective, though. I mean, he was not only our manager, but he ran a very lucrative hair salon. <laughs> Um, it, it was it was so lucrative that he went out and bought an armored car uh, so he could travel and do haircuts at shows. Oh. And he was very proud that he installed a spiral staircase in said armored car. <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, he thought, though, yeah, but I think he wanted to incorporate that staircase on the stage. He thought he thought we had like spiral staircases and all this shit. That, that's what we needed. We needed to be like walking up and down shit. Like an American Idol performance or something, you know what I mean? Like that's that—that's what we were missing. This guy had his head so far up his ass. He brought me to go to a metal festival in Worcester, and I got roped into it by you because you didn't want to be in the car with him. <laughs> that's not he true, asked, dude. He, I had he, to work. He asked me on the way up. He's like, "Hey, dude. Hey, bro. You you got any tapes?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "I don't have a CD player. I only have a tape player." <laughs> oh, and your window—it doesn't roll up all the way. I was like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Yeah, what was that car ride like? Oh my god, he was doing like a buck twenty. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I know we both had some shitty cars in our time, but you know, we weren't a forty two year old hairdresser with a shitty car. Oh dude, you remember we used to go down there for like meetings at his at the salon, right? And you would think it would be like after he closed or something. No, it would be us sitting in chairs while he's cutting some poor woman's hair and he's getting all he's getting all animated and excited and he's not even paying attention what he's doing, ripping out her hair. It's like, dude, you got scissors in your hands. Calm down. The <laughs> wait, hold on, dude. Fucking check this out, dude. Hold on, I'm sorry, honey. Just give me one minute. He's like, what did you remember that? I was like, hold on, can you just finish? You're making me nervous as hell. Oh, he thought he was the it's such a big shot, man. Oh, he was fun though. He he was fun, but he thought we were just Oh, dude, I'll never forget that time we played um Oh, dude. <laughs> was it All-Stars? <laughs> we played, yeah. We played this this like shitty sports bar, like just just a shithole, you know, nothing there's people don't even really go there to eat or anything. So there's barely anybody there anyway. And we played, remember that we played like we had like seven songs programmed at the time. And, and we were like, <laughs> we finished so quickly. They're like, we're going to play two of the songs we've already played again. <laughs> they kept saying, keep playing, keep playing. But we're not your traditional band. We can't play anymore. So it's like, <laughs> all right, let's just start over again. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That was horrible, dude. That was embarrassing. Oh, I'm actually like, I'm feeling weird even talking about that, man. That, that was humiliating. I'll be honest, we had more humiliating moments than anything in that fucking band. Well, how long did it take us to realize maybe we should put our backing tracks on an MP3 player instead of a CD player? <laughs> We'd be up on stage. No, don't, don't, you can't jump. Don't jump. You can't really get into the song because you'll make the CD skip. I know. I think people used to say, oh, they're not that, you know, they don't get into the music enough. They're not their stage presence. We couldn't. We couldn't because if not, we'd have to say it was a remix. Dude, I remember one time, Dennis, that fucking asshole, we were playing one of those uh, shows in Mass you were talking about with Colta, you know, and I was, I was like, you know, you know, because I'm yelling and screaming and shit, and I'm like getting a little, I'm trying to get a little into it. He Remember he like came up and grabbed me by the throat? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making a fucking CD skip. 
Oh, come from the guy who's pretending to play keyboards. <laughs> but I'm like paranoid as hell. It's like, okay, I got a big moment coming up. I got to fucking be as chill as I can. I got to scream for the balls off. The vibration might make the whole band collapse here. Oh, it's oh. like Millie Vanilli, man. <laughs> Jesus. Less talented Millie. Yeah. So, uh, so that was that was our live thing, and that was our manager. Um, and the other, the only other thing I'd like to uh, talk to you about is your friend, uh, an industrial legend actor. Oh, I was hoping you were gonna. Martin bring Atkins. Him. Oh, fuck off. Martin Atkins, Mr. Pigface himself. So don't you uh, briefly give us the rundown of that whole situation? So this was the mid 2000s, like 2004, 2005. We're doing everything we can to get signed because that was still. A thing back then, mm-hmm. and Matt, you know, you'd make the press kits. I would book oh. shows, and I came across this book with a bunch of record labels, and I would contact them all. And some of them were legit, like Surgical Strike with Surge from uh, System. Mm-hmm. I remember um, talking to, I think it was his wife who ran it. Nothing obviously happened there, but I called Invisible Records out of the blue, and this really. You know, prissy Englishman answered the phone one day. Hello. <laughs> um, hi, my, you know, my name's John. I'm with a, a band called Circus of Dead Squirrels. And, uh, you know, you can hear us on my... I don't do my space. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. He was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. Damn. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, we would talk on a regular base, basis, me and Martin Atkins. And I remember getting off the phone with him, freaking out, because, you know, I listened to a lot of his projects growing up so i'd call you and i called dennis and dan and tell you I fill you guys in it. i couldn't believe it and i remember uh dennis his first words out of his mouth was like you probably fucked it all up mm-hmm. so that was that was a nice vote of confidence for me. <laughs> but yeah, uh well, dennis you know it's funny we called his band name is mr furious and that was i guess that explains that whole thing he was constantly pissed off at somebody well he was he was quick to judge when we were making those giant building blocks yeah and then he just left us so yeah. it was he used uh, to just come in remember we'd be working on it for hours he'd come in with his hands on his hips and just make comments about how shitty the work we're doing and then he'd fucking leave again oh fuck. it's like thanks boss uh, I remember anyway. he's, he's, he had to go play Dungeons and Dragons or something, I think. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that's actually a tr- that's true, too. That's not, I'm not just digging oh, on him. Okay. Like, right. He was really into D&D. So. Oh, all right. Yeah, so hey, you know, to each their own. Typically, uh, that's an insult. But yeah, so uh, Martin eventually uh, would talk to all of uh, Well, at least me, you, maybe even Dan, too. He offered us a record contract. Mm-hmm. Now, now, we thought we, we had made it. I don't know how most people are represented in the record industry, but if you out there listening to this sign with Martin Atkins, you too can be represented not only in America, but the entire universe, apparently. Do you remember the the, the, yes. the wording in this contract? He says yep. he would represent you through the universe. Well, hey, we thought we were going to do some, you know, like space travel. We were, I mean, we were kids, man. I thought this was the beginning of huge things for us. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the shows are like in, on Jupiter, but you know, uh, <laughs> we would have representation. Right. We would only have to give up um, what twenty five years of the Masters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he would not. Pay, uh, we would still have to pay for the recording. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a sweet deal, yeah. Now, what did he actually... We, st- what... we still wouldn't have ownership of our music, John, at this point. You know that? Holy shit. That's insane. We still wouldn't... We'd be waiting to make a, a couple bucks here still. That's really sad. But Oh, anyway. my. I can't even... I don't even know what he even offered, though. In all honesty, like, did he wasn't helping with merch. No, he wasn't doing shit. And I remember we were excited because he was Martin Atkins. He was, a, you know, we thought he was a big celebrity. And you know, he worked with Trent, he worked with Anesh, he worked with a bunch of people that we all right. liked. And... We had never got a contract, so we we weren't really, we were just excited, and then we showed our lawyer, and he was just like, this is the worst contract ever. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, so he, he tried to modify a lot of parts and send it back to him. Remember, he went nuts on us? Yeah. yeah Remember that? Not... He like went crazy on us about it. 
oh, he he, he was full of shit too because I, we were, he's, like, he's like, oh, where are you from? And we're like, oh, we we play the Hartford, like uh, the Webster Theater. Like, oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. I remember I filled that room. It's pretty good if you get at least uh, eight to nine hundred people in that room. And we're like, and we're like yeah. dude, there was twelve people to see you there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we went to the show. There was no one fucking there. It's like, okay, he he is a con artist and a bullshitter and a fucking. I think that's all he does to make money. He he like writes books about like how to you know self produce your band and all this shit. That's all he does. He doesn't. I don't think even. I don't even know if he puts out music anymore. I don't think so, man. But he was a fucking dick. Yeah, I, a waste uh, of fucking time. Yeah, you know it was. It went from oh my god, I'm talking to Martin Atkins to oh my god, I have to talk to Martin Atkins. Yeah, but what, you know what? I remember that I don't do my spice, but well, there was some other thing we said that we used to we used to fucking constantly reference. Oh, what was it? What was what? it? Uh, oh, well, oh, he, he he was talking about because at this time we only had an indoor recess on. We were just starting to write Pop Culture Massacre. We hadn't recorded anything, mm-hmm. and that's where you know that would be the album that they would release if it went well. But remember, he was talking about all of a sudden he was getting real critical. Like he wanted us to like change a few things for the upcoming album for Pop Culture Massacre. And remember, he's like, if you talking about indoor recess, like, it's a bit abrasive. Oh shit, that's right, I it's forgot a bit about abrasive. We're like a fucking like industrial metal band. It's like, what, what do you want us to do? Put some, throw some more fucking acoustics in there? Oh my god, what a like what the hell is that about? Well, it's he did. He did technically, you know, in one way, didn't he make a slight cameo in the pop culture? Isn't oh, that, did he? When you were a cause cause of death, suffocation by Snuffleupagus. Oh, that's right. Martin Atkins shows up in all those last laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that was as close as we ever came to being signed or making it in quotes. Yeah. That was the uh that was the end of that. We I think we I think that kind of burned us so bad, that whole experience that we kind of stopped trying. Yeah, it was. We were as close to our fifteen minutes of fame, which lasted about thirty seconds. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to talk to you, John, because um, you know I'm talking to a lot of people about this. But you, you know, like I said, you're one of the founding members. Um, so I think we we lived through a lot of the most exciting times of the band because I think in the later years it was we we understood that it just wasn't going to really probably amount to anything. It was just more of you know, just the the sake of creating music, it was just we we wanted to do it. But at the, and the times where you were in the band, I mean, we really thought this is what we were gonna do. Well, I remember I was in the band. We had a little bit of an argument. I left the band for a little while. When I came back into the band, I was like, "This is it, man." I remember playing the first couple of shows again, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yo, I don't need a job. I'm gonna be a rock star. This is this is easy." You know, because the, the, we would play shows and they'd be really successful. Mm-hmm. And we would, we'd be writing really good music. We'd be playing good shows. And then you realize that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of regrets about the whole thing. But I think, you know, we, I don't know. I personally, I think we just weren't willing to do the things that are necessary. And it, it took me to kind of work with um, Ventana and see the whole, you know, the Mushroom Head crew and, to see all the work they had to do. I mean, they had to basically live on the road, you know, touring constantly. Yeah. And it's like, and... Well, you know, we, we just didn't, I mean, that's what you have to do. And, and if you're not willing to do that, and, I, and that's not even a guarantee. So unless you're like, you know, this phenomenal band, that's just going to be like way ahead of your time and going to change music or something. Otherwise you have to work your ass off so much. And, and maybe, maybe if we had done that, maybe it would have turned out differently, but Regardless, we put out some great music, I think, and uh, you know, we can never change that. It doesn't matter if it didn't, if you know, if we never got signed or anything. We have these albums, we have these songs we've created, and and I'm proud of them. I I agree one thousand percent. I uh, we were kind of almost like weekend warriors in the early days, just playing shows on the weekend, and we didn't really, you know, we didn't really jump in the deep end like we should have. But you know, I can stand back and look at the two albums I helped uh, write and produce on. And I still listen to them. I still pull them up on Spotify. I still have copies floating around the house. And that's something I'm going to always be proud of. And, you know, like you said, who knows, you know, maybe 
find our way back to writing another song one one of these days. Who knows? I hope so. I'm, I'm you know, honestly, it's funny. I'm reconnecting with everybody. I mean, I got, I'm working on a project with Craig right now. Um, Jeremy, I, I, he th- I think he thinks I'm kidding. And this, this goes for you too. I said, you, I don't bullshit. When I say something, it might take a little while, but I, I mean it when I say it. I still plan on coming out with a toilet duck album. Oh my God. I would love that so much. I'm serious, dude. <laughs> Revisit so, some of the old songs. Revisit some of the old songs. Write some new shitty death ska songs. I would love to fucking do it. Absolutely. So, you know, I would love to do it still. I mean, but that's what I'm just saying. With all you guys, I'm always open for anything. So, well, we will see where the road takes us. But uh, I mean, it's highly unlikely. But I would love, I would love to tell people that me, you, and Dan <laughs> would come out with another Cods album. That would be you, unbelievable. You know, it would be hilarious. Uh, just mm. to you know, really bring it back to the beginning is how did every COD's album start? How did it start? How, like we were about to go into the studio. You know, you know what? This is it. This is we're gonna make yeah. this album out, and then we're done. That's literally That's where we're at right now. You know, if we could, everyone could get on the same page and figure out how to work cross country and whatnot. But if me, you, no, and Dan, me and Dan could, did it. Yeah, me and say. Dan did it for an Operation Satan. I, I don't. God, I. Well, in the beginning, we were together, um, and then uh, we would just, you know, I think he moved to California, and I was in Arizona, and we just, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly, I know that a lot of that we weren't together, so, I mean, it can happen. Yeah, so, I mean, if if the three of us could get on the same page, I think that would be a pretty cool way to send, do a send-off, you know what I mean? I would love that, so don't don't be surprised if I call on you again, and uh, and feel free to, I'm always willing to do this, I'm always excited to do it, so... Thank you for uh, going down Cod's memory lane with me. Absolutely. And, um, and like I said, we're going to have you back to uh, we're going to we're going to treat the audience to some of these old bullshit songs that we used to do. Oh, I haven't heard some of those songs and the toilet duck stuff, the both the real drums and the fake drum stuff. I haven't heard in forever, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, there's one song behind the killing spree. I'm just going to say that that one in particular, I would love to talk to you about. So. We'll have you back on. We'll go through the songs, and uh, and that's something that I think the audience will be excited to hear because no one's ever heard this stuff before, the first time. Yeah, and I, for some of it, it's been over twenty years since we've probably even revisited it. So, I'm, holy shit, I'm looking forward to it. Wow. All right. All right. Well, we'll we'll see you again then, Mister Bach. Well, I will just say, uh, Shia. Shia. (laughs) Shelby.